Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Today, I'm talking with a unique kind of life coach who helps people deal with very fundamental needs and problems. What I found interesting is that practically all of our behaviors and life issues can be explained in terms of six very basic human needs. And what we eventually get down to is that the road to happiness and fulfillment lies in finding what basic needs are most important to you and learning how best to meet those needs. Much of who we are and what problems we face has little to do with our genes or our upbringing. This talk shows it's often more about the holes we are trying to fill. And fortunately, we also talk about the essential steps to restoring balance in life and filling in those gaps. If you're restless or if you repeatedly find yourself facing the same kind of problems, I think you're going to find some answers in today's interview. Today's enriching fact of the day is that you can improve your credibility and executive presence just by saying your name right. How so, right? How intriguing this is. Studies have shown that very little of effective communication comes down to the actual words you use. Effective leaders and credible experts understand that persuasive communication often comes down to the tone of your voice. Our brains are hardwired to follow the rise and fall of intonation in verbal communication. We instinctively listen up when the speaker's pitch rises and assign more relevance to the phrase. The rising tone signals rising importance, and we intuitively anticipate that something noteworthy is immediately to follow. Understanding that the brain processes messages in these tonal units or chunks and paying attention to how we use this intonation can make us better communicators. And this is how we achieve greater credibility and executive presence. Effective leaders are effective communicators. And a great place to start is with the way you introduce yourself. Most people forget the names of people they only just met. And the reason is because most people say their name with the wrong inflection when being introduced. Rather than mumbling your name with monotonous inflection, clearly state your first name with rising intonation showing there is more to come. And then state your last name with falling intonation, concluding the tonal unit or message. This one little trick has been shown to increase the likelihood that your audience will remember your name and perceive you as a leader. Today's enriching fact reveals that clear and deliberate communication leads to meaningful influence. Simply using the right tone when introducing yourself will impact the way you're perceived and open doors for success. You are listening to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. If you are looking for financial strategies for growing and protecting your wealth, 
Check out Bank on Yourself by Living Wealthy Financial. You never know where the economy is heading or what the stock market is going to do next, but fortunately, you don't have to. Bank on Yourself offers proven strategies for families and individuals and businesses to safely invest their money outside the market while growing and accessing those funds on their own terms. This is perfect for those who would like to fund major expenses like college and vacations and weddings, business expansions, medical emergencies, or even create a stream of tax-favored retirement income. Bank on Yourself allows you liquidity, tax-favored growth, and complete control over your investment, and it is guaranteed to grow no matter what is going on in the markets. For more information, to schedule an appointment, or to request free copy of Bank on Yourself Revolution book, visit livingwealthyfinancial.com. For the free book, just click on Contact Us and send us an email saying that you'd like a copy of the Bank on Yourself Revolution book for free. Joining us today is Hector Prieto, a strategic intervention coach and the founder of Vitarium Coaching. He is an expert in understanding the challenges people face and the inner ways to overcome these challenges. And today we are discussing basic human emotions and needs and how they create the life around us. So welcome to Living Wealthy Radio, Hector. Thank you. Thank you for having me here, Teresa. Um, I appreciate the, the invitation. It is our pleasure, absolutely. And you've got quite the background, right? Um, yes. You're an attorney, you've got an MBA, you're not only an attorney in the U.S., but also internationally. How did you come to find yourself in this area of expertise and study? Well, actually, it was kind of a, you know, quite the journey for me. Um, as, as the the context of the legal profession changed. Um, I was feeling like I wasn't really belonging there. Um, there there's a tendency worldwide, uh, uh, individual rights are diminishing and, and the rights of you know, the, the larger corporations and, and governments are getting bigger and bigger. So I was, I was having conflicts and I felt like I, like I needed a change. So through a lot of um, soul searching and talking to other, you know, other fellow coaches, because uh, I, I, I tapped into um, other coaches that do similar things to what I do, I, I decided to take a change. So I enrolled in um, the first certification with um, Tony Robbins, Robbins Madonna's training, and it was a complete eye-opener for me. And that led from, you know, I took the first certification, then I took the second one, ended up doing all the certifications they have and, and got awarded the master's in strategic intervention coaching, which is like, it's really like a life coach with many areas of application. You know, we could do it through life coaching, relationship coaching, business coaching, executive coaching, because it, 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 it touches about just about every aspect of, of a person's life and, and applications uh, related directly to the problems we face day to day. Well, so exactly, like being more specific, what is strategic intervention coaching and how does it help the individual? Yes. 
Well, the strategic intervention coach is, is, is kind of like a, to use a metaphor, it's kind of like a life or a relationships business coach on steroids. And the reason is we find and we explore those, those, those different issues that, that people come up with now and then, and we do strategic interventions. It, it's it's kind of like we use a lot of the tools that a, a therapist would use, only we were different from a therapist because a, a therapist will focus on, on the past, will put a label on people, and we don't put labels on people, and we focus on the future. In addition to that, we don't really, you know, use medication. We're not licensed to do that or anyway, but, but you know, we, we, our focus is completely different, but we use some of the tools that, that a psychotherapist would use to help people by a strategic intervention. So we intervene to, you know, kind of like change the focus of the individual and get them on the right path so they could, you know, relate to it and, and from within um, get to the changes that they need to do to make their life better for themselves. So if somebody is in crisis, you may not necessarily be the right professional for them. But if someone is looking to make some major changes in an area of life, then that would be right up your alley. That's correct. If somebody's in a crisis mode, we we prefer not to because there's you know this legal liability. In addition to that, we're you know we're not Tony Robbins. He 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 does it on stage, but <laughs> we try not to get into that. Got it. Got it. Okay. Interesting. So, tell us a little bit about what drives us. Like, why do we do the things we do? I have okay. some theories, you know, I was just talking, I work with money, right? And I yes. was working with a couple and um, very different money patterns and beliefs and uh, results with the couple, right, with the husband and wife. And I, you know, I, I see this all the time, but I, they were asking me to explain what I think the reason is somebody's got certain beliefs and results with money. And I think a lot of it has to do with our neuro patterns, you know, how, how our brains are wired based on circumstances, how we were raised, um, you know, all sorts of things, right? It, is it that easy? Mm-hmm. Is it just wiring? No, no, well, it, it's, it, it, you know, if, if you go to the, the science, the medical science behind it, you're absolutely right. It has to do with a lot of neural connections we make through life, and some of these are conditioned by, by our beliefs. And I'll, I'll, maybe I can talk a little bit about that, but the, the reality for us, the way, you know, the framework that we work, uh, we use um, a model that we call the psychology of the six human needs, and, and this was basically developed by Tonya Robbins and then furthermore developed by a lady called Chloe Madonis. Um, she's from Argentina, but she's also a, a psychologist that, that worked for many years in Washington, D.C., and she's very prestigious. She's written a lot of books. Uh, and this model basically says the following, that regardless of race, um, background, uh, belief, um, all human beings need to have these needs fulfilled, and they're basically six. The first one is certainty. People have to be certain about 
things. They have to know that they're going to have shelter over their head, food, education for their kids. You know, this is meeting the basic um, physiological and emotional needs uh, an individual would have. But over time, when people develop too much certainty, um, what, we, what kicks in is what we call the human paradox, because all of a sudden we look for variety or uncertainty. We need a change of pace. And that's why we start looking for different things to fulfill that need for uncertainty. Uh, sometimes this, this leads couples to infidelity. When, when, when certainty produces too much monotony, they'll start looking for other things, and this may lead to the path of, of you know, looking for somebody else. And uh, under that scenario, I don't know if you want me to go on and finish sure, with the six. Sure, absolutely. Okay. The, the next need would be significance. People need to know that we mean something to somebody else. And that's why you have, you know, individuals that engage in weird conduct. And, and you know, for example, an extreme ex, uh, example of this, this, this type of conduct to gain significance would be the, the streakers or the strikers, you know, people that used to run nude in Central Park or in the baseball stadium in the late 70s. It was kind of like a fashion back then. People would just run around naked to, to attract attack, attention because the need for significance is so important to an individual that will do just about anything to uh, attract attention. And that's why you have people that have piercings, tattoos, and there's many ways to, to fulfill it. Um, others like me collect um, university degrees. <laughs> That's my way to gain significance. Um, I, I've got that I, problem too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> to me, it's, it's it's you know it's an accolade. It's like hey, here's the here's the new diploma, uh, or was for a long period of time. Um, anyway, but there's different ways. But but basically, we all need to know that we mean something to somebody. Without it, you know, there's, there's, there's issues. We have issues. Uh, the, the fourth need is love and connection. And love is something that regardless of our age, condition, we will always seek to have and seek to give. It's inherent to the human being, giving and receiving love. Same thing with connection, which is it's close, it's different, but at the same time it is needed. Um, there's a syndrome they discovered in Harvard uh, University Medical School where they call it the, the withering child syndrome. And if, if a child, when they're born, a baby, if they're not nurtured by another human being, within 40 to 72 hours, they wither away and die. That's how important it is to be connected to other human beings. In addition to that, that's why you know, we look so much to social media because it's a way to connect to other people out there. It, it's, it's something that's very basic for human beings. We need to be connected to others. And it's been proven, you know, one of the, the harshest forms of torture is isolating the prisoner. When, you know, that's an extreme case. But if you isolate a prisoner in a cell, dark, no communication, it, it turns a person crazy because we need to be connected to others. Then we've got the need for growth. Um, it, there's a saying uh, that we use that uh, if you don't grow, you die. And, and it's true with many things, you know, businesses or other activities, uh, playing a sport. If you're not growing, 
you, 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 you know, it's, it's not maybe a literal death, but you kind of like stop being as efficient as you used to be in any activity. And then you just fade out of the picture because we need to be constantly growing. Finally, uh, the need for contribution at the, you know, at any given time in our life, we need to feel that we're part of a greater thing than ourselves. And that's why we have the need to contribute, whether it's communicating good news to other people, leaving museums, building a foundation. I mean, there's many ways that an individual um, will get this need for contribution fulfilled. I get it doing this, this coaching thing that I do, that I, I think that I grow and I contribute to others by helping them solve their, you know, their problems that, that they have in everyday life. So that, that's basically, in a nutshell, um, the framework that we use to identify why people do what they do. And, and for example, two of these needs will basically drive your conduct. It, you, we have all six of them, and we try to meet them at any given time, but there's two that, that are predominant. And, and when those two combine, we pretty much can determine what to expect from a person. We even have a test. We have a, I think it's about 90 question test and, and we ask certain questions and then based on the result, we can tell an individual which two are the prevalent needs and, and basically how they're going to behave. So for example, using the one that we just talked about, the significance one, um, at one point in my life, I too got degrees because I felt I wasn't significant enough without them, right? I wasn't good mm -hmm. enough without all these degrees and I constantly felt like I had to work harder and harder and harder and harder to be significant, be the best at what I did, right? However, that was measured. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And so if we, let's use me, for example, right? Once, my, once I feel secure... Right, which is a basic human need that you know we all certainty. we all need to have the certainty. Thank you. And then mm -hmm. um, I had the need for significance, and let's say I had the need for contribution. Um, if I wanted to change my life, I would change how I relate to those needs. Yes, yes. Basically, you would have to change your focus, and, and you know th this is where that test comes in because it helps us pinpoint in what direction to help the individual. Because the needs, even though, you know, they exist in, in any, you know, throughout our life, they exist and they're there. We can, we can learn to, to focus on different needs and how to fulfill them. So, so we can change the way we behave. For example, let me give you a, it's an extreme example, but, but it's, 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 it's the reality. If three of these needs were to be found in any given conduct that we have or behavior, it can become an addiction. And, and we use the, the example of a, a, a criminal that is a habitual criminal. Usually criminals have three of these needs met in their criminal activity, and that's why it's very difficult to get them out of that activity. For example, if, if some guy's the guy that goes out and sticks up convenience stores, well, he has three needs met there immediately. One, he, he's got his need for significance met. Why? 
because the minute he pulls out a gun on you and you know puts it in somebody's head, that that guy is the most significant individual for the guy that's on the other side of the gun, because you know his life depends on on that guy with the, holding the gun. Then they also get their um, need for uncertainty and variety met because every stick-up job is different. You don't, they don't know what to expect. They have variety. They don't even know if they're going to come back home alive or in one piece. So that, that's the second need that's met. And then the third one, in a weird, uh, morbid way, their need for connection is met because by engaging in this activity, they're connecting to the outer world. So it becomes very difficult for people that have this type of habitual criminal activities to break them out of it. So that, that's you know, where we would like to focus on working with them and seeing how we can change this pattern and, and break that addiction because it becomes an addiction. So give us one other example with someone who's not a criminal, let's say in relationships. Like well, how we relate to our children or to our significant other. Well, in a in a relationship, it would it would be completely different because you know a, a relationship is not necessarily an addiction, but there are, for example, two things. For example, women, for example, they they are more prone to seek certainty than men. Men like to you know engage a little bit more uncertainty, and that's why that sometimes there's clashes. Because women want to know that, hey, this is what we have, and I want it to be constant, and I don't want you to gamble what we have on some, you know, scheme or project that you have. But men need that variety. You know, we're like, well, maybe I want to risk it a little bit more. And, And that, you know, the comfort level between the two polarized ways of seeing things, male versus female, is what creates the conflict because it, it, it kind of like clashes. I don't know if that's, hmm. you know, what you wanted to hear, but that's, yep, that's, that's, that's great, basically that's what, great example. you know, we, we've seen that over and over. And, and then at the same time, significance is, is very important for women. You know, women, us men, as, as men, we're like, we just went shopping last week. I mean, I, I have this in my home. My wife likes to, you know, she loves to go to, 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 to stores and it's, even if it's it's a twenty dollar thing, she has to bring something because she feels significant that way. You know, buying a a nice piece of clothing, uh, makeup, whatever. Versus a man, we don't care. We're, we're like, bring anything, whatever. If it fits, I'll wear it. So some all of guys. these things, yeah. Some guys, yeah. The majority. Uh, I'm generalizing here. I'm generalizing because now we've, you know, times have changed and we've, we've got the, what they call the metrosexual male. Yes, exactly. That take care of themselves, but then their, their need is different. Uh, the, you know, that, that, but it's also significance. You know, that's the way they attract attention to being uh, very neat and, and very um, tidy in, in what they do, how they dress and, and uh, how they cut their hair and other things. Right, and we could talk about kids and um, without passing judgment, but, you know, different generations, um, there was one generation that there were kids that really got into the whole gothic theme of dressing and looking. 
Um, mm-hmm. Everything yes. they did was very gothic. And then came um, colored hair, right? Um, right. And so that could be one way of them, you know, showing or feeling significant. Significance, the variety, and the connection. And the connection and that's with I, other... I'm, yeah, and that's why you can't get some of these kids out of, you know, what they were doing because they've met three needs, the need for variety, the need for significance, and the need for the connection because without it, they couldn't belong to the, you know, the other group of, of individuals that dressed in the same way and fashion. So how would somebody make these changes? If they, if they feel like my life is not working the way it's, you know, I'm not getting what I need from what I want consciously, not unconsciously, right? They recognize, right. you know, I'm not getting the results that I want in my life. And they take this test and they get, okay, so I've got this need for significance and I have this need for variety and I have this need for contribution, but I'm not getting what I want. How can they Mm -hmm. adjust what they need in order to get to what they want? That's where we use a different tool. See, this, this, this six human needs tool is basically a strategy that helps us identify what the individual's needs are but then we will use another strategy that we call the um, seven master steps to change. And these seven master steps in a nutshell are, you know, first we would have to, or any individual, uh, you could do a self-analysis too. You would have to understand and appreciate their world or your world, you know, what entails the, the vision of how we see the world because no individual, even though, you know, we know that Austin is, you know, 90 miles away from, from San Antonio, we don't perceive things in the same way. And, and sometimes it's relative to how bad traffic is, uh, what kind of a car we're driving. So, so individuals perceive the world, their world in, in different ways. But that's the, the first step. We have to understand the individual's world. And then we have to create a base and, and, and get leverage on the person. Because without leverage, nobody's going to change. we got to find where, you know, the, the pressure points are, the pain points, because pain sometimes becomes so unbearable, especially if we, we you know, we, we kind of like force them to look at it. This is painful. If you continue engaging in this conduct, then we'll get that leverage to make them change. Then we have to um, interrupt and uh, destroy the, the habitual patterns. What's causing it? We have to, you know, interrupt it, make sure that they stop doing it, Finally, um, well, no, not finally. This is, I guess, uh, I think, understand, second, three. The fourth step is defining the problem in solvable terms. You know, to make that individual understand, well, this is your problem, and, and this is a way that we're frameworking the problem, which is solvable, because we have, you know, we want to get him to resolve his issue. We don't want him to stay in the same place. Then we create new alternatives for the individual so he can have choices. And um, once they, they take a choice, we can work on them adopting that choice. Then we condition the, the new thought, the new emotion, decision, or action by anchoring that individual to that new thought, emotion, decision, or action. And then finally, uh, we, we make him relate to a higher purpose for this new conduct or action that he's going to have. And, and through this, they will be able to connect to an empowering environment which will allow them to thrive 
in, in, you know, in, in a new and improved way from what he was doing. That's in a nutshell what, you know, what we do to get them to, to change these, the way they focus on the league. Okay. So give me an example. And that's part of our work. You know, that's, that's part of what we do. <laughs> it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it takes right. time. You know, right. it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not that. It's not that simple. This is very, you know, in a nutshell, but it, it takes time. Because, you know, some individuals, they don't even know what their values are, what their beliefs are. So we have tools and strategies that we take them through the whole exercise so they can pinpoint, well, gee, this, I didn't know I had this. For example, Teresa, in, in 90% of my clients, when I ask them what their values are, 90% don't include health, only mm. 10%. So let, let's say out of 10 people, nine don't even have health as a value. That's why we have a problem with you know, obesity and diabetes and all these things because nobody takes care of themselves. And I'm, I'm talking from... They're not consciously aware that they have that as a value or is it represented in their lifestyle? Because if you ask more, most people, they'd say, yeah, I want to be healthy, but their actions don't. Reflect. Well, yeah, but, but if you remind them, if, if you remind them, they'll say it. But, you know, the way we do the exercise, we're, we do it intentionally to see what, what's their inner value. To see, we, mm. don't, we don't remind them because we tell them, oh, you have to value health. Yeah, oh, yes, I do. But the way we focus and, and, and pose the questions it never comes out. People say, well, I value my family. I value my kids, my work, uh, honesty, integrity. I mean, there's, there's so many values out there. But most of the people that I've coached, they never mention health. So I know I have to work with them to include that as a value because without you know, a good health, you're not going to be able to accomplish anything. You're not going to be able to change. You're not going to be able to have the life that you want. And that's, that's where we come in as a coach. We, you know, we, we kind of like help people um, get that life that they want to live. And, and, you know, unfortunately in today's world, the definition of success is how much money you got. Well, there's, there's more to, to life than just having money. There's other things. You know, a human being should value being appreciated by other human beings. I mean, even in today's world, you go out on the street and, and if somebody doesn't like the way you, you're waiting in line for the, 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 you know, the red light to go on to green, they'll honk at you. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible, but we're losing even common courtesy. We're certainly living in some interesting times, and it's certainly fascinating to watch people. There, you know, common courtesy isn't common that, as much anymore, It's right? not common anymore, no. No, it's incredible. It's like everybody is oblivious to, to the needs of everybody else, unless it's my way or the highway. And I that's why we're having with me. Sure. I mean, look, look at, you know, this is not a subject we really should touch, but look at the political world worldwide. It's, 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 it's divided. It's, it's either you take it the way I want it or take a hike. Mm-hmm. And there's no... Well, let me understand you so you can understand me. Now, there's a book by um, Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. To me, it's one of the most, you know, one of the best books that I've read. And one of the habits is, you know, let me understand you first so you can understand me. And, and nobody's doing it in today's world. Mm-hmm. 
seek so. first to understand, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. yes. Yes. one of the seek principles first to of success? Seek first to understand. Right, because, you know, people become def- defensive. And if, if you don't find a way to develop that rapport, which is one of the strategies that we use and we teach people, is if, if, if I can find a way to empathize with you, then I can sympathize with you. And you can sympathize with me. But somebody has to take the first step. And that's, that's what generates the conflict, the unwillingness of people to take that first step. Because we fear that something that will be painful will be created and we're the ones that are going to be losing. And it's the same thing in relationships. You know, in today's world, uh, I mean, it's like, gee, how can, especially for, for many men today with all these sexual harassment things that are going out there, it's like, how can I approach um, a person and not suffer the consequences? So there's fear. The whole dating world is different, right? What a crazy different. world it is. It's crazy. It's, 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 it's like it, it's a touchy-feely. It's a, am, I, am I doing the correct thing? What if this backfires? And, and for example, a lot of the things in, in, um, in, in the Hispanic world, a lot of the things that happen in Latino countries would, would never happen in the United States. And over there, for example, the perception is different. Well, um, in, in, in Latin America, if, if, if you walk a, a, a woman that's attractive or they judge to be attractive walks through the street, I mean, they'll get whistled at, they'll, they'll, they'll say things. Some of them will not be nice, but some will. And, and the, the Latin American person, woman that lives in that environment, some of them don't necessarily reject that. And it has to do with, you know, the context of how they, they're raised. It's very different from the way, you know, they raise people here in, in, in the United States. Certainly is interesting and difficult times that we are in especially regarding human relationships challenging times yes very challenging so just identifying people's genders or misidentifying people's genders right Um, can lead to problems (laughs) can lead to a lot of problems and there is a growing movement that there is not to not just to genders it's not a biology thing. It's a how do I identify, right? And I think the last time I checked, there were almost 40 different identifications that one could select from, so to speak. Um, and if you don't identify someone the right way, they get all offended. Right. It's, True. To be uh, really to downplay it, I think it's insane, the world that we're living in. It's just a crazy, crazy, crazy world. It's, it's um, very crazy. Mm-hmm. So one of yeah, the things... It's, it's, it's confusing. Very confusing. At least, you know, when... And, and I hate to say when I was growing up, right? Because that sounds like a very... Um, one of the things that, you know, grandmother would say, right? But when we were growing up, there wasn't an issue regarding who you identified as in terms of gender, at least for most people, I would say 90-something percent. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm clueless. Maybe there were tons of people who didn't identify with their genders, but most people knew 
I'm either a male or a female. And most people knew from a sexual perspective what they related to, right? And Mm -hmm. I know how difficult life is, as is, imagine going through life not even knowing what your gender is or thinking that you're confused about your gender. And society is putting on our kids, starting at a very young age, preschool and kindergarten, teaching them they have all sorts of options when it comes to identifying. And Mm -hmm. so in terms of relating and, and just the relationship part of it, oh my goodness. It's daunting. Um, if, if you look at the, the well, I've, I've got a lot of training videos that, that I looked at from Tony's um, different interventions because we use that as a model. And um, he is perceived by a lot of people to be very traditional in, in, in the way he, he identifies things. You know, it's a very man-female, male-female type of situation in the videos at least. And, and um, some people are like, oh, my gosh, he's too, too black and white. And, and, and there's no more black and white anymore. But, you know, it, it has to do with what you said, the way we were raised. Because it's very difficult to change your perception on the way that you were raised. And you tend to be okay with that because that's, that's the world that you know. And it's, you know, through, through education, through new information, through handling these, these strategies that you're going to be able to refocus on things. I mean, that's part of change. That's, that's, that's why change is so difficult because most of the attitudes, the, the actions, the perceptions that we have are so ingrained in our, our psychology and our emotions that it's difficult for us to break out of it. And then if we break out of it, we have to be aware that we have to create the, the new environment that will make us feel safe because we don't want to break out of our safety net and wander out to some unknown that's going to create, you know, more confusion and, and I don't even know if I'm going to be comfortable stepping out there. So we tend to remain on where, we at, where we're at and that's where you know, we have to adapt. I mean, and it goes across the spectrum, Teresa. Look at, look at the job world today. The, the reason that there's so many people displaced here in the United States, for example, is not so much that the jobs have gone you know, overseas, but at the same time, the technological divide. It's rendered a lot of people incapable of holding jobs because they don't have the skill set that's needed in today's economy. Mm. And, and, and it's easy to blame all oh, the jobs went away but you know other, other things have, have emerged good point very good point so talk about the triad of human emotions and yes. how this plays yes. into the six human needs this, the, the triad of human emotions is what it, it basically falls into the six human needs in, in the following sense. Um, we, we call it the formula for success. And, and it's basically um, individuals will get a result in their life when they, they learn these, this, this triad. 
because we tend to perceive things and, and act accordingly based on the focus we give to things, which is, you know, the first part of the triad. What we focus on turns to become, tends to become a reality. The second component of the triad is physiology, which is very important. The way we hold our bodies, the levels of energy we create in our bodies will also push us towards being able of obtaining a certain result that we're seeking. And then we've got language, which is very important, that what we say and how we say it. And then the, the, the common or, or the linking aspect to these three um, legs, so to speak, focus, physiology, and language is the meaning that we give them. It's, it's by, by giving significance meaning, you know, in the sense of what this means to me is how I'm going to act and how I'm going to be able to control my emotions. The majority of people, you know, that I've talked to when I start coaching them, they don't even know that sometimes they, they have this or that emotion. And we use a tool that we call the crazy eight. And we teach a person to kind of like write down on a daily basis, maybe for a period of two weeks, what emotions they feel. And the person can be depressed at one moment and then they get angry and then they go to um, exuberance and then they go back to depression. So we get them through this exercise so they can overcome the situation so they can learn to use the tool of the triad of human emotions because emotions are really what drive us and they can create it. They can be created by what we focus on. For example, if somebody's feeling sad, well, instead of focusing on how sad you feel, why don't you go out there and help somebody that needs it? You know, there's, there's, there's countless occasions for us helping. There's, there's homeless people that need food. There's elderly people that don't have anybody to talk to because of their relatives don't even, you know, visit them. There's so many ways that we can focus instead of our sadness, focus on something that's more positive. And by focusing on that, those things that are positive, we'll forget about our sadness because all of a sudden our mind is, is focused on something and we're giving it meaning to what we're doing physiologically too. You know, if, if you... If you stand up, there's an exercise that we have that we call the Superman position, and, and this is for people to gain confidence. And, and over time, it does develop confidence. We ask people to stand like Superman with, with their two fists um, clenched and, and put on their hips and their head up high and looking at the mirror. And over time, the individual starts feeling more confidence and more trust in who he is as a person because physiology does create results. And finally... The, the language, you know, the words we use. Instead of saying, oh, I'm so angry. You know, if you change the word for I'm so peeved. It, it sounds funny, but it does change the focus of, of your emotion. So learning to use the language in a good way will definitely change our focus and our physiology. Words are very powerful. It's not true that sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. Well, that's not really a true appreciation. Words can hurt. Or build. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more with the words, right? I think words can, can certainly kill somebody, um, can kill their soul, right? 
Um, Definitely. And it's so funny you say the word, you know, from angry. You know, if you say the word, I am so angry or I am so peeved, it's almost laughable. Like, I, I want to laugh when I say I, I'm so peeved, <laughs> yeah. right? It's, yeah. And there's such and it'll a lot of emotion around this. It, right? it will create. So, so we have an exercise also that we use people, you know, we, we tell people to start using different words that will be able to help them manage their states. Because the reality, if, if you want to be successful in a relationship, your work, your, your job, your, your business, whatever it is in life, you have to learn to manage your states, your emotional states. Like, because if you manage your emotional states, you'll be able to communicate more effectively. And that's where understanding you know, begins with other people, being able to communicate more effectively. Well, we all know people who, the phrase I use is they are their emotions, right? They relate to their emotions so much that they are, they're just, you know, oh, I'm so sad or I'm so angry. And that's who they are. They just become that one emotion. Uh, And they have such a small range of emotion because they've identified so strongly with an emotion. Depression is one, right? There's a fact. Uh, we have 3,000 words in the English language that um, describe emotions, and yet we only use probably 12 or 10. Really? 300? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. 3,000. We or have 3,000 words for, for, yeah, for descriptions of emotions, and we only use 10 or 12. I can't think and, of and, uh, 30, and unfortunately. <laughs> No, no, it's hard. We, you have to pick up a dictionary and, and actually look them up and, and Google it. Um, but it's wow. out there. The other thing is, in today's world, you, you see a lot of young people just using four-letter words, which is completely disempowering. Is it? That's interesting. Because they say, I've read the studies that show that those that use four-letter words are uh, more honest than those who don't? Well, it, it, it's probably the way they perceive honesty. But then again, how much can you really construct in your mind when you only use four-letter words? It doesn't give you, you know, the, the, the occasion to, to, or the opportunity to really build a vision. Very interesting. And then, for example, um, you know, Tony Robbins does use what he calls um, impactful language or, or shocking language because he does say an F here and there or an S there. Um, but it's only because, you know, to break that pattern that we were talking about earlier, in the old days when somebody got hysterical, they would slap him in the face. Well, you can't slap anybody anymore, so what are you, you going to do? <laughs> We're going to use shocking language to get him out of that state. And, you know, he's had, he's had suicidal people on stage, and, and he breaks the pattern by, you know, coming up with some uh, weird thing and, and uses the F word um, to get the guy to, you know, pay attention to what they're trying to do to get him out of that state. But if, if you use, you know, this and that, four-letter words for every day, you're not really going to be develop, you know, developing a coherent 
future for yourself because words do you know words are important they they do have a significant impact in how you conduct yourself i mean there's a reason why the bible is so powerful teresa and why is that well look at the words they use look at the language that's used in the world in the the bible It, it gives you promises of faith love contribution i mean it's it's so 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 powerful it gives you hope for a better tomorrow. Mm. And, and, and human beings would rather have hope or will function better with the hope that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Otherwise, if you take that away, you know, the, the future is going to be grim for the individual. I've talked to millennials um, that say that, well, I, I, don't want to have, I don't want to have kids. Why? The world's too grim. That's their answer. So it's like, oh, my God. If that's how they perceive things, you know, they're, 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 they, they have no hope. Very sad, right? Very sad. True. And the yeah. work that yeah. you do, I think, is so important. We try to so you know, do our best. Yes, yes. We're not born with a, a, a user's manual like, you know, a Toyota or for a computer. As human beings, nobody teaches how to react before the challenges that that you know we confront in a day-to-day basis so that's where we come in we we can help people decide for themselves what the best election is what the best choice would be with the tools that we have the strategies and hopefully we can contribute that way that that's why i'm so satisfied with this this new aspect of my my career professional life uh, i feel like and you know give and that gives contribution it fulfills growth it, it significance and love and connection it gives me variety it gives me certainty because i know that um, you know i i know the 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 skills that i've developed with this program that are there to help people reach what they want to reach in their life or what they want for their life or improve any aspect of it so i mean to me that's very fulfilling Absolutely. I, I personally did not find fulfillment in the practice of law and uh, recognized how much it was not a good fit for me after um, my husband had, had moved and I was licensed in three states. And so we moved to Ohio and I had to practice for a couple months and I got a speeding ticket and, you know, had time in my hands and went and bought it and just realized how unbelievably stressful my practice was, that work was, and just went back to working with money. And it was such a, such a gift for me that I was able to see that so young, so early. Um, but uh, it absolutely sounds like you're, you've, you've found your calling. You've found mm-hmm. your place, and this work is so important. Not that Law work isn't important because absolutely there is a need for. Cool. It's needed. It's needed, but but people have to be okay with what they do, and and um, I think that in your case and my case, we're too much of. You know, I will say that I'll say it this way: we're, we're too humane to fit in a legal world. We care about people. <laughs> and yeah. Um, well, I think there are attorneys certainly that fit that description that haven't found a way out. Um, True. 
And, so, and attorneys, and, and they live in anguish. You know, they, they, they're like, how can I get out of this? They are. They are. And, you know, I know every profession brags about, you know, them having the highest um, alcoholic rate and the highest suicide rate and the highest miserable rate. I know attorneys are up there. I've seen the study. Right. They, they, they have out. ulcers and stress and high blood pressure. And, and, you know, no amount of money is worth that, Teresa. No amount of money. I mean, there's yeah. nothing like being able to sleep like a baby, waking up the next day, looking forward to what your day's going to be like. It, it's, it's so, you know, um, satisfying. Well, I'm glad, thankful that there are people like you out there doing this work, Thank helping you. people live more fulfilling lives and getting the outcome, getting the life that they want. So Hector, Thank you so very much for joining us on Living Wealthy Radio today. Please let our listeners know how they can find you online. Yes. um, They can go to my websites. I have two different websites. They're basically the same. It's it's, um, vitariumcoaching.net and vitariumcoaching.com. It's spelled V-I-T-A-R-I-U-M, coaching.net, and then vitariumcoaching.com. What the, the reason for two websites is one is for the life coaching and the other is for the business coaching because there's two aspects so, of my coaching. What does Vitarium stand for? Uh, life in, in Latin. Ah, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, beautiful. I, I adopted, a, a, you know, the, the, the language that the Romans spoke and, and Vitarium means driven towards life. That's, that's what it means. Beautiful. Beautiful. Very good. Well, again, Hector, thank you so very much. And we will, as always, post the podcast on livingwealthyradio.com. And you can find uh, the recording on the website. And again, Hector, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. Thank you very much, Teresa. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.